0: Monday morning, thank you for coming out. Let's all grab our handbooks Stand together today, brother Ken. Come lead us this morning. Let's make a joyful noise.
1: Amen. Grab your blue songbook this morning. Hymn number one hundred eighty-three. Oh, how I love Jesus. We'll do the first, second, and last. Hymn number one hundred eighty-three this morning.
2: morning
0: say amen if you do. Thank you for being here. Appreciate your presence today. Brother Tim will take us to the throne of grace. Let me give you Two or three prayer requests this morning. First of all, as we put out on our call system yesterday, continue to pray for Sister Loretta Branch. She's home. Uh, Lots of recovery needed there. Lift her up. Of course, continue to pray for uh, Brother Mike. Brother Mike, good to see you this morning, buddy, and the homegoing of his precious wife, Miss Nancy. Thank you for those that were able to be here for visitation and or the homegoing service. Pray for Brother C.W. C.W. goes on Tuesday for a procedure. Uh, Pray that there'll be no complications there. And then uh, we heard this morning... uh, from miss sarah that amanda may be facing open heart surgery soon so lift her up in prayer our god's a good god he knows what he's doing amen he's always in time on time every time brother tim take us to the throne of grace pray for our services today let's ask him to show up in our midst brother tim
3: our heavenly father god we thank you lord for the opportunity we have to be in your house this morning thank you god for everyone that's made the effort to be here pray, God, for these prayer requests that have been mentioned this morning, those who are facing procedures, those who have lost loved ones. God, I just ask that you'll be with them and just cuddle up next to them. And Lord, just show them how much you love them. God, we thank you for that blessed assurance, for knowing where Sister Nancy is this morning. We don't need to pray for her anymore, but we pray for, pray for Brother Mike this morning. God, just give him, show him mercy watch over him. God, we pray that you'll be here in this service with us this morning. Be with Brother Greg as he brings the word. Be with the choir as they sing and the special music, Lord. If you're not here with us today, we're wasting our time. And I pray, God, that you will move the worries of the world away this morning. You will open our minds and clear our hearts of all the concerns we have, God. Just show up and show out and let us worship you and give you the praise that you deserve. We thank you, God, for loving us. We thank you, God, for answering prayers. Oh,
0: God, grant to me.
3: God, we just give you all the glory for everything you do. In Christ's name,
0: amen. Amen. You may be seated. Pray for the choir this morning. This is an old, old, old song, but boy, I love it. I'm still amazed. You
4: listen as Renee sings
0: One more for you this morning. I love this song, Sweet Things Out of Dark Places. You sing it, Brother Ken. Thank you so much. Love that song. Well done, choir. Appreciate that so very much. Let me give you announcements this morning straight from your bulletin. Next Sunday is, of course, choir practice. If you're a faithful member of our church, we'd love to have you join us. Make sure you let me know so I've got everything ready for you. Of course, reminder of services tonight at 6 o'clock. I know it's Super Bowl Sunday, uh, but there's no good teams playing anyway. Somebody say amen right there. <laughs> Nobody worth watching, so we're going to have church. Get you home in time. See it anyway. On Wednesday night, this is the first Sunday, excuse me, the first Wednesday of the new year. Uh, oh gosh, first Wednesday night of the month. Uh, and that is, of course, a want night. So we're doing pretty in pink night. I want to see how you, many of you men come in here in a pink shirt. Brother Ken said again, he'd give $20 to every man that does so. So you come in Wednesday. I hope you got a lot of 20s, Brother Ken. Yeah, man. Uh, but we'll have a good time Wednesday night. Uh, Let me remind you of this, folks. Next Sunday morning, I talked to you about this last Sunday. We'll be doing a special offering uh, for our Benevolence Fund uh, that is going to help get uh, Chelsea on the active donor list for a new kidney. So you please give as generously as you can next Sunday morning. Keep that in mind. uh, On Saturday, February the 22nd, I want everybody's attention on this one. We will be having this is a Saturday a security presentation for churches here at our church with Officer Eric Wynn at 8 a.m. I know that's early for Saturday, but we're going to do it then. Uh, And thank you to those who came out last Sunday right after church. We had nearly 40 people uh, sign up to be part of our security team here at church. I appreciate that so much, expanding that. Uh, We invite everyone who is able, men, women, whether you're on the security team or not, to come on Saturday, February the 22nd, to our special presentation uh, regarding security. And then also remind you to those who are going to the Wild Game Dinner at Franklin Heights Baptist, please sign up immediately and get that money turned in today. A reminder, that is non-refundable, so please make sure that, that they're going to get the tickets immediately, so you got to get that turned in today. Uh, please see Brother Josh about that or Miss Jessie. also want to remind you uh, uh, that, or call your attention to the fact, we've got a couple of date changes from the calendar that I'd had in there for the month of January. Uh, As we did a few years ago, I'm glad this actually works out, the dates of our ladies' jubilee and homecoming are just slightly different than what we had originally announced. We will be doing the ladies' jubilee on the Friday and Saturday of Mother's Day weekend. And then our homecoming, hard to believe, this will be our ninth homecoming here at Stanley Town's Amazing Grace Baptist, uh, will be on Mother's Day. That's wonderful because, ladies, you don't have to cook a, a thing. Can somebody say amen right there, mamas? We're going to have it catered, as we always do, for homecoming. So uh, that homecoming will be on a uh, 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 Mother's Day. So everything else is the same, but I want to call your attention to that date change. And then also... Next Sunday, Lord willing, uh, we will have the ladies' Sunday school classroom down in the ladies' room. Uh, Men will be in here with me. Miss Renee wanted to let all the ladies know she'll be giving you the details about our upcoming ladies' jubilee and also giving out a few door prizes next Sunday because she wants to bribe ladies to come. Go ahead and say it, baby. Amen. So uh, you be there next Sunday, ladies, uh, as you get all the details for our upcoming ladies' jubilee. I'll pause a moment and say thank you, Brother Ken and myself. We appreciate so much the kindness you showed to our wives last Sunday. Uh, We appreciate that immensely. Had a wonderful, wonderful birthday celebration. The Lord bless you for that. All right, let's get all the little ones. uh, Make your way down this Sunday morning. If you're heading to Children's Church and Junior Church, come on. Come get the buckets. If you're visiting, uh, they're going to correct loose change. This is our penny march. Take off this morning, young folks. Church, Junior Church, come on this morning. This Sunday morning, while they are coming, let me also add to our prayer list I mentioned uh, this morning in my Sunday school class up here. Please pray for Jenna Coffey. That's Brother and Sister Coffey's daughter-in-law. She's in the um, hospital this morning, so please lift her up in prayer. This is tithes and offerings. You be obedient unto the Lord. Pray for Evan as he sings. Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we have to come together this morning. Lord, we don't take for granted that we have this privilege, and Lord, we count it as that, a privilege to serve you today. Bless the offering ties as they come in. Lord bless Evan as he sings these requests that have been mentioned. We will thank you and we'll praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Sing it, buddy.
5: It's about the cross, it's about my sin, it's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. It's about the stone.
1: the cross this morning, amen. Let's all stand together. Sure has made a difference in our lives. Hymn number 194, Since Jesus Came Into My Heart. We'll do that first verse course, have a time of fellowship. Hymn number
2: 194. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. In my soul for which long I had sought Since Jesus came into my heart Since Jesus came into my heart Since Jesus came into my heart Floods of joy o'er my soul Like the sea billows roll Since Jesus came into my heart Hey man, shake some hands.
0: Thank you so much. We got a star up here today, and Roger. (laughs) Amen. All right. This is the first Sunday of the month, which means it's Mission Sunday here at the church. Uh, First Sunday of every month, we collect a special offering and give 13.5%, 14% of tithes and offerings also go to missions. So, fellas, if you would, please make your way back down one more time this morning. You be obedient unto the Lord with uh, the missions. Isn't it a blessing to have all these missionaries on the field from this size church? I say this all the time, but I believe that's one of the reasons God blesses our church, because of the missions focus we have. It is rare that a church this size can put out $4,000 a month in missions, and it's all because of your generosity. Father, bless the missions offering. Thank you for the chance to support all of these missionaries all over the world. Lord, pray that every dollar that comes in leads to souls being saved. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Y'all
6: sing. This um, can y'all say Hallelujah? hallelujah. Hey, that's about the best Baptist exactly first right. shot that I've had at that in a long time. I'll be. I tell you. Hey, listen. You see the lighthouse right here, right? They said Miss Nancy drew that. You know, it's a beautiful representation of what we're supposed to be, right? The missionaries, you know, I mean, I'll say this because my uncle was a missionary. I don't know all that he had to do, but I do know that he had to leave what he knew to go somewhere else to be like them to try to reach them, right? So, I mean, at least we can do is carry a little water, right? But listen, we're supposed to go out and be a lighthouse to folks. If what we're projecting looks like it's killing us, how is it going to help anybody? So we need to be just a little bit happy. So we want you to have just a tiny little bit of participation this morning when we do this song. Who's got the best hallelujah in the house? Who can raise a hand of praise, give a victory shot. If God's been good to you, we'd like to hear Do it, it now. now Who's got now the, the best hallelujah in the house? house? I don't care who's got the finest car to drive And it won't bless my soul to know how fast your are bling When I gather with the saints, I need to hear the sound now of will testify they were lost and almost died until the lord came in and delivered them from sin who's got the best
3: hallelujah in the house who can raise a hand of praise give a victory shout if god's been good
6: to you we'd like to hear now who's got the best hallelujah Someone one who's always feeling sad Well, i love to hear it told From someone who really knows You're down in the miry place But now you're on the rock to stay You're the one this song's about Let's hear your victory has got the, the best hallelujah in the house yeah. Who can raise a hand, hand praise, praise Give it. a victory shot you've got been good to you We'd like to hear now Who's got the, the best hallelujah, hallelujah in the house? Who's got the, the best hallelujah, hallelujah, in the hallelujah in the house? Hallelujah Who can raise and a hand of praise. praise, give a victory shot? If God's been good You're to you, you. we'd like to hear now Who's got the, the best hallelujah, hallelujah in, in the house? house? If God's, God's been good to you. you, we'd like to hear now Best hallelujah in the house Hallelujah Who's got the best hallelujah in the house And all God's
4: people said in, in the house Good job, buddy That's
0: awesome I love it if you didn't like it, you need to get your wood wet. Amen. That's good, buddy. High five, dog. You did all right, too, Roger. All right. <laughs> Revelation this morning, chapter number two, please. Revelation chapter number two. I also going to ask you to do something a little different this morning. Get your cell phone out. I know you got one. Unless you got a flip phone. If you got a flip phone, you can keep it up. (laughs) You're not going to be able to do what I ask you to do with a flip phone. Sorry there, Jim Hatton, but you're going to keep that flip phone up. Amen. Amen. Randy, keep your flip phone away, buddy. Amen. Go ahead, open up a web browser. You may have to turn the Wi-Fi off because we're streaming and we take up a lot of bandwidth. But go ahead and open up a web browser. I'll tell you what to put in in just a minute. Revelation chapter number 2, have you found your place? Amen. Some of you are still searching for your cell phone. Amen. One verse of Scripture, please. Verse 17. Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Please look at this next clause. To him that overcometh will I give three things. One, to eat of the hidden manna. Number two, give him a white stone. Number three, in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth. Saving he that receiveth it, to him that overcometh. Father, bless the preaching this morning. Thank you for your presence already today. Lord, the truth be told, we all have reasons to say hallelujah. Thank you for how good you've been to us. Come to the hour, the part of the hour, Lord, that is so important. Not because I'm doing it, but Lord... Because of what you ordained thousands of years ago and the foolishness of preaching. So use the outline, Lord, that I know you've laid upon my heart today. Draw the lost. Reclaim those that have drifted away. And may we all walk out of here closer to thee because of what we've experienced this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd please get your cell phone. Type in the name Dave. D-A-V-E, rover, R-O-E-V-E-R. Dave, D-A-V-E, rover, R-O-E-V-E-R. When you get there, you will see the image of a man whose face is horribly disfigured. A man who obviously has suffered incredible burns. His entire image, his face, his obviously wearing a wig. And if he would took that off, you would see greater scars. Burns that are just indescribable. Have you found it? X out and look this way. 1968, a young Christian by the name of Dave Rover was drafted into the United States Army. A Texan, Dave was in Bible college studying to be a preacher when his draft notice arrived. His life was forever changed when he was chosen to be part of a unit named the Brown Water Black. Berets. They were a warfare unit who operated in the Mekong Delta of Vietnam, a unit that was highly used by the Navy for dangerous search and rescue missions, or search and destroy missions. Eight months into his tour, July of 1969, Dave's unit was sent out on a nighttime raid on an enemy stronghold. It was on that night that Dave Rover experienced the greatest trial of his life. During the raid, Dave's unit was pinned down by enemy machine gun fire, and during the firefight, Dave pulled from his belt a phosphorus grenade and stood up to throw it. But as he pulled his arm back, a bullet hit the grenade, causing it to explode on the side of his face. His upper body... His head suffered catastrophic injuries. Lying beside the muddy river, Dave watched literally as part of his face floated downstream. His entire face and shoulder were smoldering and caught on fire as the phosphorus that had embedded in his body came in contact with the oxygen in the air. However, Dave was a Christian and his faith was strong. He didn't know if he would live or die, but he did know that his life was in God's hands. He was pulled from the water by his teammates, flown by helicopter to Saigon, and then taken on a waiting plane to a hospital in Hawaii. If that wasn't traumatic enough, his problems were just beginning. When he first went into surgery, the first of what would become dozens of operations, the surgical team encountered huge challenges. As they cut away the burned and torn tissue from Dave's body, the phosphorus from the grenade would hit the oxygen in the operating room and ignite and explode all over again. Several times, the doctors and nurses were forced to run out of the room, leaving him alone out of fear that the oxygen around would explode. Incredibly... Dave survived the operation and was taken to a ward that held the most severe burn and injury cases from the Vietnam War. Lying on his bed, his head the size of a basketball, Dave Rover knew that he presented an absolute <clears throat> grotesque picture. Although he had once been a handsome and fit man, he knew that he no longer had anything of a physical nature to offer his wife. He felt more alone and worthless than he'd felt in his entire life. To compound matters, there was another man in Dave's room right beside of him who'd also been wounded in Vietnam. It was also a nightmarish sight. Dave's friend had lost an arm and both legs, and his face was also badly torn and scarred. As Dave's friend was recovering from surgery, This man's wife, his buddy's wife, arrived from the States. She walked into the room and took one look at her husband and literally threw up. She took off her wedding ring, put it on the nightstand beside of him, and looked at the doctor and said, I can't do this, walked away. That broken-hearted soldier who could barely make sounds through his torn throat and mouth, wept and shook for hours, and died the next day. Three days later, Dave's wife arrived. After what had happened to the other soldier, Dave had no idea how his wife would react to his appearance, and he dreaded her entrance. But Dave's wife had a deep faith in Jesus Christ took one look at her soldier and came over and kissed him on the only place on his head that wasn't bandaged. In a gentle voice, she said, Dave, I love you more today than the moment we met. And I want you to know that whatever it takes, whatever the odds, you and I will overcome this. She hugged him wherever she could, to avoid disturbing his injuries. And she got up in the bed and laid down beside of him. Stayed with him. Nicknamed him her wounded warrior as he recovered. Watching what happened with the other man's wife and seeing his own wife gave Dave strength that he never knew he had. In the weeks following, Dave had more than 24 operations, but he slowly healed. Today, the man that you just looked at travels the world preaching about the beauty of being an overcomer in Jesus Christ. You'll find that the Lord has given Dave Rover a worldwide ministry. And he testifies to the fact that, yes, his faith is strong, but it was the legacy of his wife and the strength of his wife that taught him what it means to be an overcomer in Jesus Christ. So often, we measure success by wealth or power or prestige. But I submit to you this morning that none of those things matter in the kingdom of God. Roger just sang about it. Doesn't matter the size of the car you drive. Doesn't matter the size of the home, the newness of your clothes. For if we are born again, we are commanded to be overcomers. The verse that we read is written to a real church with a real pastor. In fact, the pastor's called an angel. Just saying. Go back and read it yourself. It's a real church. In fact, it's the church of Pergamos, which was the capital city of Asia Minor. Pergamos was a wealthy city of luxury and fashion. There was a 200,000-volume library there. In fact, Pergamos was the place where parchment paper was invented. The largest theater in the known world, a theater that seated 20,000 people, was in Pergamos. Those things are wonderful, but what Pergamos was really known for was for its pagan temples. There was a massive altar to Zeus, the thunder god, the god of gods. The altar was 100 feet square and 40 feet tall, monstrous in size. The patron god of Pergamos, listen now, was Asclepius, who was the god of healing and medicine. If you look at the symbol today from the American Medical Association, you will see a staff with serpents coiled around both sides. That comes from the symbol that was in Pergamos, symbolizing the god Asclepius. Because Asclepius' temple was filled with snakes. And when a person needed healing, they would go to the temple, lie down on the ground, and spend the night there. It was believed that if a snake crawled across them during their stay, they had been divinely healed. I've known this for years, but... I remember the first time I read that, I thought, if I'm going to Asclepius' temple, I'm going with a 357, a 22 gauge, and 12 pairs of underwear. Amen. Because I'm going to need all of it. Amen. Another god that was greatly worshipped in Pergamos was the god Dionysus, who was the god of wine and laughter. To worship Dionysus meant to become intoxicated and lose control of yourself. And it's in this environment that a church had been created. It's in this environment of idolatry and of wickedness that a thriving church had been created. In Pergamos, the Christians were ostracized. The Christians weren't allowed to buy and sell. The Christians were, were somehow looked at as second-class citizens and many of them lost their citizenship because of their dedication to Christ. There were those, if you read all of the the, the words given to the church of Pergamos, you will find that there were those who were trying to blend these two faiths. There were those who were trying to take the idolatry of Zeus, Asclepius, and Dionysus and bring it into God's house. uh, And God uh, to the angel, to the pastor says, Don't you let that happen. You keep that out because this is sacred. Uh, You hold on to this and you become overcomers. And then he concludes this letter, these words to this church that's saying, for those who are overcomers, I've got something special for you. If you'll go back in verse 17, we'll read it one more time. For he says in the middle clause, to him that overcometh will I give three things. Number one, he says, I'll give him to eat. Of the hidden manna number two he says I'll give him a white stone number three in that stone a new name written which no man knoweth saving he that receiveth it so I want to give you a message this morning that I'm entitling the blessings that are only for overcomers Blessings that are only for overcomers. I'll intro it by simply saying this. None of us face what the Pergamasians faced in their era. We're not facing the obstacles and the trials in our society. We're not facing the realities of not being an American citizen or a citizen of Virginia because of our faith. Not yet, anyway. We're not facing the tribulations that the Pergamashians faced, but I submit to you that everybody who has ever breathed the name of Christ, who's ever been a born-again believer, you understand that in order to keep on the firing line, there are some things that we must overcome. Give it to you another way. Getting saved is the easiest thing you'll ever do. Living saved is the hardest thing you'll ever do. There are some things that you're just going to have to work on, some things uh, that will be constant battles, some things that you'll never conquer uh, because uh, we have to continuously be overcomers uh, In the name of Christ. But for those of us who keep at it, there are some blessings that are unique just for us. Can I give them to you? Number one, the hidden manna. The hidden manna. Most of you understand already that manna in Scripture is a type or symbol for Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful image of Jesus Christ. When God was leading the Israelites out of Egypt, uh, he, he, he never told them what they were going to eat. He never told them what they were going to drink. He simply said, I got it. Uh, I'll take care of it. Uh, you follow me. I will supply your needs. Uh, and one morning, uh, they woke up, uh, and covering the entire ground all around them was a white substance that they did not understand. Uh, and they went outside and said, what is it? Uh, by the way, manna translated literally means, what is it? Uh, we call it manna. They called it, what is that? what it means. Scripture tells us in the book of Exodus exactly what manna looked like. First of all, it was small. It was round. It came at night. And all of those things beautifully typify the Lord Jesus Christ. What do you mean, preacher? It's small. That speaks of his humanity. It's round. That speaks of the fact that he has no beginning or end. It was white. That speaks of his perfectness, his purity. But I also like the fact that in chapter 16, verse 31, Scripture says that manna was sweet to the taste. For those of you that don't have a sweet tooth, you might not like this, and you probably need to get saved. Amen. But the fact that manna was sweet to the taste meant that everybody liked it. It didn't matter whether you liked roast beef, whether you liked steak, or whether you liked banana pudding, manna satisfied the need. Many of you know, I've told you this many times, I have accomplished many things in my life that I've set for myself, a lot of goals, but the battle of my life is the battle of my weight. Somebody help me out. You shut up. Amen. <laughs> <Yeah>, <laughs> Years ago, I was down at my pancreas doctrine. He is a thin man and good and love him dearly. He's the one who diagnosed me with this disease. And he looked at me and he said, and I won't try to imitate him. I don't want you to think I'm making fun of him. I'm not. But he looked at me in his very thick Pakistani accent and he said, to Greg, you need to lose weight. I said, Dr. Rahman, I can't. I have too big of a sweet tooth. And he looked at me and said, you need to learn moderation. I looked at him and I said, I don't appreciate you cussing at me. And I began to tell him how much of a sweet tooth I had. And he looked at me and he said, I also have a sweet tooth. That's the reason. I will go to lunch. I'll have my lunch. I'll have a salad. And I will have a, his words, I'll have a fourth of a cupcake. I looked at him and I said, I'm happy for you, Dr. Raymond. I don't eat a fourth of a cupcake. I eat 14 cupcakes. Amen. Because if I start, I'm not stopping. It becomes like crack for me. I mean, I want more, and I want more, and I want more. Can I pause just a moment and say, that's exactly what manna was like. The more you got it, the better it was. The sweeter it was to the taste. Hey, can I pause just a moment? What is manna a type of who? Jesus Christ. And may I say to you this morning, the more you get of him, the more you realize just how sweet he is. You can't get enough. You can't get too much because the more you got, the more you want. Manna. Boy, we could, I could spend an entire message, in, in fact, I have a whole message just about manna. And Thank God that for those of us that are overcomers, we get a little bit of Jesus that nobody else gets. But that's not where I want to focus. I want to focus on the second part that John writes. Because not only do we get the hidden manna, but he says we also get a white stone. A white stone. 21st century America, that phrase, a white stone, literally means absolutely nothing to us. I mean, we don't care much about white rocks today. You can go out in the driveway and find a a bunch of white stones. What is the big deal? I'm so glad you asked. Because I want to explain to you exactly what that white stone meant four or five things quickly. Number one, white stones were used to indicate judgment in ancient courts of law. Today, in modern America, when a trial is over, the jury will come out, have its verdict given to the judge, the judge will ask the defendant to rise, the foreman or the foreperson of the jury will rise, and the verdict will be read either by the four person, depending on the state, or the judge will read the verdict. We, the jury, have found a defendant guilty or not guilty, as decided by the 12 person court system. We understand that procedure. We understand what that means. Uh, But in Pergamosian courts of law, uh, you need to understand that once the evidence had been read and the judge considered the verdict and the jury uh, made its rendering, uh, the judge would come out uh, and he would have a container in which there were two stones, a black stone and a white stone. When it came time to render the verdict, if the verdict was guilty, he would take a black stone out of the container, hold it up, and without saying a word, the defendant would know he had been found guilty of the crime. But if the judge yeah, ma'am, reached in and grabbed out a white stone and held it out, it let him know uh, that the judge had spoken, uh, that the jury had spoken, uh, that the evidence had found uh, that the defendant was innocent of all crimes that had been accused against him. So, <laughs> I'm glad you got it. So when... Uh, When John writes to the Pergamosian church and he says, for you that are overcomers will I give a white stone, what he's literally saying is though this society has blacklisted you, though the society has blackballed you, though they say you're guilty of not following the laws of this land, I want you to know that the... supreme. The supreme judge has spoken, and he has pulled out a white stone and rendered that not only are you not guilty, he says that the black stones have all been colored white. There's no black stone to be found. Everything's been forgiven. A white stone indicates that the defendant is innocent. Can we just stop a minute and say hallelujah to the fact that when God sees us, he doesn't see us for the sins of our past, uh, the sins of our present, uh, or the sins of our future. I said it in Sunday school, but I'll say it again. They've all already been forgiven. We don't have to beg God to forgive us. He's already forgiven us if we're born again. Thank God he has declared that we are innocent. He says in Isaiah 118, my favorite verse in all of the Bible, Come now, let us reason together. Say the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. White stone indicated innocence. Not only did the white stone indicate innocence, the white stone was also given to signify citizenship. Citizenship. Today, when a dignitary comes to town and we seek to let that dignitary know that despite the fact they're not from this area, they're not from this community, we want to make them, quote, honorary citizens, we will give them a key to the city. When I was a kid growing up, I used to think that meant, literally, that that key would open every building. And I never could understand that the keys were this big and the locks were that big. But in my silly little mind, I thought, well, he's got the key to the city. She's got the key to the city. Every house, every building, every infrastructure, every church, everything, everything that person can get into. They're part of the family. They're in the city. They've got the key. But in Pergamus, you didn't get a key to become a citizen of the city, you got a white stone. When you, be, <laughs> when you became a, 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 a person who would be given that white stone, it literally meant that anything we got is yours. It literally meant that you are now part of us. You're now part of this family. You have renounced that citizenship, and you're part. Can we just stop a minute and say, Amen? man, I used to be part of the family of the enemy. I used to uh, run around uh, with the enemy. Uh, I used to do the things that the enemy in the flesh said. Uh, but thank God for the day uh, when I was given a white stone. Uh, for that white stone says, you've, you've renounced that citizenship. Uh, and now you're part of this family. Uh, it's the family of God. And all of this belongs to you. The cried citizenship. It was a sign of renouncing guilt. Uh, number three this morning, that white stone I love this, was used as a symbol for friendship. That white stone was used as a symbol for friendship. Often two friends would take a white stone, they'd break it in half and write the other friend's name on their stone. This also, not surprisingly, was used in relationships. Much like today, we'll have a pendant that's broken in half between two friends or between a boyfriend and a girlfriend, and he's got the pendant with her name, and she's got the pendant with his name whether it would be two friends or a closer relationship, uh, that white stone would be broken in half, uh, and I would keep uh, his or her name, and she would keep my name or his name. uh, And that simply meant that when they got together again, uh, after many years, uh, they could place their halves together, uh, signifying uh, their unbreakable relationship. By the way, so that you know this, this is where the fish sign of the Christian faith came from. Folks don't realize this, but you you probably know that the symbol for Christianity comes from the fact that Jesus asked us to be fishers of men. But you also understand that in the Roman Empire, to be a Christian meant to take your life in your hands. It meant to no longer be part of the family, and part of the city. You could be killed for being a Christian. So if you were to meet a stranger, you would come up with your foot and draw in the sand half of the symbol of the fish. It would simply be like that. Someone who did not know what it meant would look at it and think he's just doodling in the sand. But someone who is a child of God would take his or her foot and finish the symbol so that you do this, the other person does that, you have completed a fish. And what that says is, I'm a believer, you're a believer, we got something big in common. It's exactly what the white stone symbolized. White stone, which symbolized that I'm your friend, you're my friend. Why? Because we believe in the same Jesus Christ. We've got the most important thing in common. And may I stop right here and say to every Pergamosian, he was saying that you may not be liked here in your city. You may not be liked here in the Roman Empire. But understand, you've got a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. You've got somebody who will never turn her back, who will never walk away, who will never let you down. Though you're not liked here, you are loved over there. Number four, quickly, it was a symbol of citizenship, it was a symbol of innocence, it was a symbol of friendship, but it was also a symbol to gain access. It was a symbol to gain access. I'd like to read a direct quote, if I may. From a historian that I love to read after, here's what he said. When a wealthy person in Pergamos would throw a party, they would sometimes send with the invitation to their guests a white stone. When it came time for the celebration, the person who had the white stone was granted access to the party. If you didn't have the white stone, you weren't invited. But if you had the white stone, it symbolized to the guard at the gate, you're welcome in. You've been invited. You're not just somebody who's trying to break in. You're somebody who's been invited in. May I pause just a moment and say, Our Heavenly Father's going to throw us a celebration, church. We call that uh, the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. I don't know what's going to be there, but I've got some ideas. I think when I sit down to my table, there's going to be 365 cupcakes staring me in the face. One for every day of the week. Somebody say amen right there. I mean, I think everything that we could possibly imagine is going to be in front of us, and that'll be wonderful. Thank God for all of that. But may I say to you, I'm not looking forward to the table. I'm not looking forward to my family. I can't wait for that. But what I am looking forward to is when the bridegroom stands up and says, may I return thanks upon the food that you're about to receive. And he's stretches out his nail-scarred hands. Uh, may I say to you uh, that if we've got the white stone, uh, he calls it the white wedding dress as well, uh, if we're dressed for the occasion, we will be granted access. And then if you'll note the last clause there in Revelation, I'm done. He also says in verse 17 of chapter 2, In the stone, a new name Written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. This is a promise of intimacy. Quoting from the same historian, he says, It was customary in that day for guests at a dinner to have a white stone placed at their seat. When they were seated, they could look at the stone, and underneath would be a private message from the host. It was just a way for the host to say to each guest, I love you. I'm glad you're here. We sing that song, there's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. I can't help but wonder if what... The angel is being told here, that pastor of Pergamos is being told, is when you get to the other side, when you sit down at the marriage supper of the Lamb, don't be surprised if there's not a little white stone there with your name written on it and you lift it up and underneath there's a message from the bridegroom that says, I love you, Jesus. I love you so much that I died for you, Jesus. I'm glad you're here. I made the way. Enter in. The joys are yours. I will tell you, folks, messages like this used to excite me. But when we start having, Brother Mike, pardon me for saying this, when we start having to bury folks that we love, whether it's a spouse, a child, a family member, boy, does it have new meaning. I submit to you this morning that for every child of God, who overcometh, there's a new name, there's the bread of life, the manna, but there's a white stone that says, this is yours. I made this just for you. I often, I'm done. You can close your Bibles. I often will go back and, since I read about him four years ago, I'll go back and open up the picture of Dave Rover. I've never met Dave Rover. Don't know him. Never have heard him preach. Don't know if he's dot his I's and crosses his T's like I do at this point. May I be blunt? I don't care. I look at him every time I'm having a bad day and start feeling sorry for myself. Don't look at me so callous like you ain't never done it. I look at Dave Rover, and I'm reminded that for the overcomers, God's got a little something, something special. For the overcomers who don't throw in the towel, for the overcomers who say the battle is hard, but the fight is worth it. God's got something Special for us. Let's stand to our feet this morning. The blessings of the overcomer. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed this morning. Nobody's looking. Folks have already moved. I'll ask you two quick questions. If you're here today and you're facing something that you need help overcoming, something that Only the Lord can help you overcome. Maybe it's a family member that's facing this overcoming battle. You want to slip out and make your way to this altar, you come on right now. There are folks who are moving from every side. Come on, make your way to this altar this morning. Come on, come on, come on right now. Both sides. ask you an important question. Is there anybody here that would just be honest and say, Pastor, I don't have the white stone. I've never met Jesus as my Savior. Pray for me that I'll be saved before it's too late. Anyone like that this morning? Anyone like that? Father, bless the invitation. Thank you for giving us that white stone of grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Sing for us, Brother Ken. with each other, I also want you to please pray for Brother Roar. He just shared with me a bit ago he's got a brother-in-law that's not expected to make it through the day. So please pray for him. Brother Roar will be doing that service as well. Difficult news always strikes us to the core. But I'm so glad we serve a God who knows what he's doing. How many of you are glad this morning that you got the white stone of faith? Amen. Pray for us, Brother Ken. Six o'clock tonight for our services, we'll be looking at another important doctrine of Scripture. Trust you'll be with us. Brother Ken.
1: Amen. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you, Lord, for that white stone. Father, thank you for this message this morning. God, what a reminder to us all. Father, we pray for the Roar family. God, I pray, Lord, you'd be with that situation there. Father, that we pray for Mr. Joyce, God, that you continue just to love and and just snuggle up to him, Father, and just uh, shed your mercy and grace upon him. Father, we sure are thankful, Lord, for what you've done for us here today. God, I pray, Lord, you'd uh, meet with us here tonight. God, just give us a good afternoon. It's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen.